The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people. <clears throat> Excuse me. All the boat rockers who are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Rotten to the Core Wednesday on Sons Liberty. We're going to get to that right here in just a little bit. If you would like to check us out online, please go to SonsOfLibertyRadio.com or SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And uh, if you'd like to watch the video portion of the radio show, maybe you're listening by Red State Talk Radio, you say, what's that video portion about? Well, you get to see the face that's made for radio here. Uh, head over to SonsLibertyMedia.com, scroll down right on the right side of the page, and we are streaming live there. Um, I have this this thing up that you know I had for the longest time that would pop up live, and I put it here as a post, and it's not popping up. So I apologize. This isn't working, you guys who are watching. I don't know why. Uh, should be picking up the stream straight from Twitch. So I'm going to have to find out what's going on when Bradley streams today because whatever reason it isn't going. But we are going right here on the right side of the page uh, that you can see is already set up. If you guys also want to help support the ministry here, again, we don't hold our hand out for money. We're going to do what we're going to do and trust the Lord for it. Uh, you can go to SonsLibertyMedia.com and there's a donate button up here. If you would like to click that and donate to help us do what we do, not only on the radio, not only on the internet, but as uh, Brad and his family go out through out the country and teach people about our Christian constitutional heritage, whether it's in a high school or whether it's a tea party meeting or wherever it is, um, you can do so right here at SonsLibertyMedia.com. Then you can also partner with us if you choose to do that. That'll be a monthly uh, partnership that you do with us. Become a son or daughter of liberty. Click here on SonsLibertyMedia.com, and that's at the top of the page as well. And if you'd like to pick up some of these shirts that we've got, the coffee mug that Bradley is always holding up in, in the afternoon at 3 p.m. <clears throat> Eastern time, you can go to our store. You can get those. I think you can still get them by Christmas because I think the post office delivers three to usually two to three days. Uh, with priority mail, so still got a couple of days if you wanted. To, I didn't even realize. Uh, you guys just have to understand how my days run together. I was like, next week is Christmas, so um, yeah, it snuck right up on me. Um, doesn't even feel like Christmas to me, except for what you know, the lights and the baking and stuff like that that uh, my wife and, and daughters have, have put up and everything. It's 
it's nice to see, but it, all my time just r- runs away from me. Anyway, <laughs> with that said, uh, also, if you want to check us out online, please go to uh, Bradley's Twitter account, BradleyDean1. We're streaming there. Periscope and Twitch at Setting Brush Fires. Facebook is Bradley Dean SOL. We're streaming there. Got a lot of friends in the chat over there, as well as BeforeIt'sNews.com and DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty, as well as our YouTube channel. Just look up Bradley Dean. We're available there. Oh, one last thing. While you're at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, be sure to sign up for the email that we send out once a day. We don't spam you. We don't rent the list. We don't give away your email or any of that. We just send you one email a day, which uh, provides you links to all the articles we have for that day. Me, Bradley, other contributors such as Lynn, who's on with me this morning, and uh, be sure to sign up for that as well. All right, with that said, today we are going to be talking about real education comes from the family, not the hand of the state. And you know on Rotten to the Core Wednesdays, what we do is when we come on, we're usually unmasking, uncovering uh, what is happening in government and how they're trying to usurp their authority to engage our children, to educate our children, something that God has given us uh, to do as parents. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is our go-to for that. It's very clear, it's very explicit of what we're to do as parents because God did not give uh, the state the ability to give birth to children, did he? No, he gave it to moms to do it, and in that is the, is the, is the family, the mother and the father, and uh, they are to, to train up their children in the way they should go. We're going to reference that today. And so that is the responsibility of the family, not the responsibility of government. And so to help us with that, as always on Wednesday, is my friend Lynn Taylor. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. I just wanted to say a quick shout out to everybody in the chat room. Because I'm in Facebook ban, I cannot respond. I will go to respond and it'll tell me, you know, your comment cannot be published. So who are you on Facebook? We're going to press on anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, from what I see, there is some... Hopefully some good news. Uh, There are 48 states who are now suing Facebook uh, for antitrust Mm -hmm. laws. And uh, that's a good thing. I know we've been trying to work with them, and they've just shut us out. So they must know the jig is up. Um, There is a lot of – we're trying to get the guy – I forget the – Andrew, and I forget his last name. But we're trying to get him on the show who began Gab. He is, from what I understand, he's actually a Christian. He's a kingdom-oriented guy. We're going to see if we can bring him on because they're trying to build a platform up over there. We've had Stephen Andrew. Mm-hmm. For you guys who are unfamiliar with Stephen, he has started up USA.life. We've had him on the show before, and he is a Christian as well. So I wanted to see, you know, if we can bring Andrew on to kind of get some promotion over there. I don't know who runs Parlor. I don't know who runs it. I'm on a lot of different platforms, but uh, we want to support those guys who are at least have a kingdom-oriented mindset and uh, and provide that as outlets for the people to go to. All right, Lynn, what do we got today? Well, we are in our third segment of a month-long series on what the Bible says about, excuse me, about education. And as we have done in the previous two shows, we're going to start off with a question that was from the Layman's Bible Commentary, and that is, what's the good of learning about the Bible as a series of past events. How can it become contemporary? What good is it to learn of God, his mighty acts in history, when I need God here now and in present day? Well, John Calvin provided what some consider to be the best answer. 
And that is that scripture becomes spectacles or glasses which enable us to see. They bring things into focus now that otherwise would be confusing or unfocused. And furthermore, the church's experience shows that the study of scriptures brings the Holy Spirit's presence into our minds and lives. When we study expectantly, we face our situations, we better understand the past acts and events, and we display God's character and nature and can easily apply these to our present day issues and problems. And we mentioned John Calvin last week uh, mm-hmm. in our, our our hour together. <clears throat> and of course, a lot of people do not understand the band's influence not only upon our founding, and I'm talking about mm-hmm. way before the Constitution, but even upon education, as it were, uh, the the things that you're you're reading right there, right. even that that emphasis upon Christians as part of our education of, of our kids is imparting to them the wonderful works of God throughout history. That He's not just the God of the Old Testament. He's not just a God mm-hmm. who we read about in the books, but He's the true and living God, the one who does all things. Uh, after the counsel of his will, for the praise of his glory, and uh, that that's where our direction is supposed to be. No matter what our kids grow up to do occupation-wise, that they are to do all for the glory of God. And that is the thing I think that's been missing for decades here in America, because the education system has, well, it's it's a beast system. It, it is a status system. It is not one that is geared towards the Creator. It's geared towards what we've been talking about here recent uh, over the past year at least uh the right. communist workforce is to drive them to be little bricks in the wall so to speak to borrow from pink floyd right and what we're what we've been uncovering in this series especially tim is it's not just in the public system that we're seeing the erosion of education i mean we've been talking about that for well over a year it's been a cultural shift that has impacted families uh even those who homeschool and so we're seeing you know a globalization there as well we do know that we have a small number of people no matter what educational choice they're supposedly in who are staying faithful but we also know that as time marches on and this agenda marches on that that number is going to be really either reduced or tested uh, way beyond what you know we would consider the normal but let's go on and jump in because we have a really big um, passage to start off with today we are are picking up in proverbs and we'll finish up in daniel today so this will finish up our old testament look and then the next couple of weeks we'll um, get into the new testament So we're going to start off with Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 13, and then verses 20 through 23. All right. Okay, we've got, Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. O, oh, excuse me, hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, 
and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. And then verses verses 20 to 23 say, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Okay. That was a lot of, of scripture, but notice how wisdom was personified as a, a person to be respected and honored and sought after. I thought that was really cool. Now, one of the things, though, Tim, that we need to understand is that this particular uh, proverb was targeting parents because the parents' greatest responsibility is to pass on wisdom and instruction. It's a thought, it's an action, and the most, Im- the most important and effective way that parents can do this is through encouragement. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we have to be polyannic about it because we know that our children also need discipline, but the point of it is, as you were reading that, I was thinking about if you look at the, the description from parents from all different aspects of education, they're not going to describe it in the way that this proverb just did, that it was a good thing, that it was a a pleasing thing, that it was a healthy thing. What are we seeing? We're seeing attacks on the mind. We're seeing attacks on the body. We're seeing attacks on the values, attitudes, and beliefs. We're not seeing an uplifting. We're not seeing seeking wisdom. We're seeing seeking skills. So it's all just discombobulated. Well, I think this is where it gets back to the issue of what is the goal? What what are we wow. shooting for? If we're not, <clears throat> I mean, if we're not aiming for anything, we're certainly going to hit it, right? <laughs> um, well, absolutely. Absolutely. And this yeah. particular proverb sets up that when you do these sorts of things in the proper manner, you educate in the proper way, you're setting up a legacy. And what we're seeing happen and has happened for decades previous to now is that that legacy is not about academic prowess. It's not about you being who God created you to be or working where God created you to go. It's about a streamlined government assigned pigeonhole. So that's not a legacy. That's a sentence. Well, if I can, let me, let me add something to that because I, there's there, I think this is why, um, some kids get diverted to all kinds of things that they, they shouldn't. They're looking for a purpose in their life, and they don't have any purpose in their life except go to work, if that's what, if that's what the thing is. So this is why I think you, get, um, you can end up getting jihadis. They, they're looking, okay, I have a purpose in my life. My life is this. Or you get uh, people focused in, in different areas, uh, a variety well, of that's, things. And, right. and that's, it, it, they're things what, that are not good. Right. And that's where this social justice and the climate change and, and, and all these yep. warriors, if that's you exactly will, right. For, yeah, that's exactly where this is coming in. And see, this was why the UN picked education, Tim, was because they knew no matter where you were educated or how this stuff was going to come along and it was going to undermine everything. 
Well, and it has, it has, and that yes, and part has. of part of part of straightening that out is to expose it for what it is, and then to give a solution for that. And we're hopefully people are getting the fact that we're not just about exposing the problems. There's lots of guys who can do that. Uh, that's right. that's fairly easy to do. A lot of times is expose the problem. the the right. The real challenge is to provide the solution, and that's what we want to do at the Sons of Liberty. We want to give solutions. So we're giving people that now. The solution is, as it always is, is you. You're the you're the solution, mm-hmm. and that involves repentance wherever it is, um, whether it is in known sins that we are doing or things that we're leaving off, such as education of our children. Right. Well, let's move over to Proverbs 22. We're going to go to that classic verse 6. And um, I just wanted to point out, a lot of homeschooling groups use this particular verse. And uh, after you read it, we'll discuss why. All right. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay. Now, What we're seeing in education, no matter if you go to public school or private school or you homeschool, you're out and about in the community. And we know because of the Every Student Succeeds Act, Tim, that a lot of the community has embraced this status mindset that you're now exposed to. But one of the things that um, homeschoolers see in this particular verse is the fact that we're not supposed to cookie cutter wisdom or discipline we're supposed to use it from others to help us raise up our child and if those around us are not using wisdom tim how can the parents know how to properly use wisdom we kind of touched on this last week if if you'll remember where we said you know okay uh, a large responsibility of how the children were doing was based on the child, uh, excuse me, the parents, but then when the church comes in and is wrongly leading those parents, it's just this huge uh, cycle of dysfunction. Well, of course it is. And uh, let me let me give an illustration of this. Um, it, sure. it doesn't mean that sometimes children won't, you know, go off on their own or whatever, but they, they set up they set up a, uh, what this, I think what the verse is, is teaching us is just like we have anything, um, and I hate to really use the military as sort of a, a picture for this, but people go through basic training and they get in basic, basic physical shape. They're learned or they're taught to obey the person who's over them, their, their instructor. And so when they go to shoot a weapon, when they go to run a course, when they get in a, in a situation um, that's out in the real world, so to speak, They've already been trained to do certain things a certain way, and the the same thing is true in the home. When you when you're when you're doing that in the home, a lot of that is being drilled, as it were. You're the drill instructor, <laughs> the drill sergeant, putting that in the minds and the hearts of your children because they're in yours, and as a result of that, they're being trained. So why wouldn't they more or less do what you've trained them to do? I'm not saying they're going to do it perfectly. I'm not even going to say they're going to do it all the time. But their training should kick in as to what they've been trained to do. And if they've been trained to be criminals, guess what? <laughs> You're going to get a criminal. If you have this dysfunction, more than likely, apart from the grace of God, that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to raise in your child. And that will be the legacy. I, I think that was a good 
uh, a good word to use because when our children were all born, every one of them, the first words that they were hearing when they came out of the womb was uh, Psalm 127 and 128, that they're a heritage or they're a reward from the Lord. They're to be used as arrows in the hands of a mighty man. So we pull them back, we aim them as it were, and let them fly uh, in the face of the world so that uh, God may be able to use them in that capacity uh, for his glory in the world. Right, and this is one of the things that we've pointed out on many, many episodes, Tim, is that the social and emotional learning that has come with all this Every Student Succeeds Act and the Common Core and the workforce shift and all that is meant to attack how the children are trained. And instead of arming them with how to think, it's what to think, what to hang on to, what to believe. And it's not anywhere near the scripture's basis or foundation. And with that, let's move to Ecclesiastes. Now, I don't know if people remember or not, but I'm using my study Bible. And it has lots and lots of notes in it as a study book would. And it tells us here that in Ecclesiastes, it is Greek for the Hebrew word. And I'm going to spell it because there's no way I can say it. U-O-H-E-L-E-T-H, which means teacher. So Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes to teach us why wisdom, why understanding was so important, because what it was going to do was prepare us for the bitterness that we are seeing, that we will find when we're outside of God's will. And one of the things he wanted to do was to leave that legacy so that we could understand if we walk in God's will and we can walk with God's wisdom, we can avoid a lot of that bitterness. Now, not all of it, okay? Not all of it because we're not supposed to. We were never promised that life would be easy. We never were promised it was going to be a bed of roses or it was all going to be, you know, fabulous wealth of money. It was just going to be what God needed it to be. So with that said, we've got two different verses in Ecclesiastes. We're going to start with 719 and then go over to 918. All right. From Ecclesiastes 719, wisdom strengtheneth, strengtheneth the wise more than 10 mighty men which are in the city. Are you wanting to go ahead and cover the next one too? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that one too, please. All right, and Ecclesiastes 9.18 reads, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. That's pretty. That's a pretty profound statement right there. Yeah, why don't you read that one again? Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Mm-hmm. And look at our present-day situation. How can we apply that one? Well, that's one of the things. There can be people who are knowledgeable, and the Bible says that knowledge by itself puffs up. It makes one proud. There's another thing to being wise, and this is something I've always struggled with. I just confess I struggle with it myself. I can learn all kinds of things, and then I'm left going, okay, what do I do with that knowledge? And I think a lot of people fall into those categories. We We can learn things. We can take things in. Now, how do I apply that? in what I'm doing or in this situation or in this relationship or whatever I'm doing over here. The issue that that issue of wisdom is, is really elusive for a lot of people who are really smart 
uh, we wonder, how can you do so such stupid things? Well, it's because they have mm-hmm. knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. Right, right. And they're, they're like sisters, I believe, um, if you will. And I think that's somewhere in the Bible, although I might be wrong. I think they're described as sisters to be sought after. But um, what we're seeing happen, not only in school, but out of school, Tim, is the fact that this cultural shift that has attacked what's called informal education. Because if you remember, we talked about this many, many times that every student succeeds at was not just for public school children. It was for every child. It was for every child. It was for every adult because the conformity has to be uh, set up so that they're, again, not how to think, but what to think. And it's basing it off the world's wisdom. It's basing it off of evil wisdom. If, if, if there's such a thing, it's, it's all this indoctrination that we've talked about for for a long, long time. Yeah, I don't I don't know that there's such a thing as evil wisdom, but there there definitely is. <laughs> there definitely is. I mean. a, yeah, there definitely is a twisting of knowledge. Uh, we know that uh, the demons are knowledgeable. They're they're incredibly intellectual, if you will. It's not that they're stupid. But they are crafty, oh. they're cunning, they're, they, they twist the, the knowledge that they have, they twist the truth in order to use it for evil, that's for sure. Um, but right. again, this is supposed to be, we're supposed to be having these things in our heart, imparting them to our kids, and, and that's part of the wisdom that God has given us, is that we not only can tell them, okay, here's what the Bible says, but mom and dad have, have applied it, we have trusted God in, in the... Uh, in what we're teaching you about, and we've seen the results of it. Here's here's what those results are. And it's even in, again, going back into what we read from Psalm 78, I believe I did that on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. was to go back and to remind our children, here's how God worked in the past. He worked through his people, and it was according to them being obedient to his word. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the fact about how knowledgeable demons are because, you know, it does tell us in the scriptures that, you know, they knew the word as well as those who were following Jesus and that they trembled at the word. So we do know that they know it. Um, If you have the image to show of the C.S. Lewis book, okay, it's called Pave with Good Intentions. Um, I'm going to bring that up for just a moment. People can find an ebook version of this. I don't know exactly what year it was published. Let me see if I can find that. Um, but we're going to we're going to use it for just a moment. All right, it's 1942 is when this was first published. But one of the things that Lewis did, and the subtitle for this book, uh, Tim and everyone, is called "The Demon's Roadmap to Your Soul." So he picks up where he left off with the screw tape letters with this particular book. And what I noticed when I was going through getting ready for this particular episode, Tim, was that it was all about the church being able to weaponize itself against us as humans and followers of Christ. It also brought up the fact that um, that many of the humans thinking has been corrupted. Our home, our home life. Uh, one of the other deceptions used is that we can wipe out prayer, that we don't need prayer. And this is one of the things we're seeing happen in education. We don't need to think about what goes on at home. We need to rat out mom and dad about what's you know going on in the home. We have 
uh, a mass of people who are thinking now incorrectly, as you've pointed out. Um, we also see that war is a huge thing that uh, the demons use. And then also in this, the demons weaponize our emotions and also our politics. And they make God out to be the bad guy. Now, how many shows have we devoted, Tim, to these very same topics? Well, that's true. And you were mentioning the uh, the screw tape letters. I, I actually have that here. This is one of the mm-hmm. great ones, the audio book. Uh, I believe the guy's name right. is Josh Acklin. And uh, I've shared that with several of my kids. They've they've listened to it. And the audio books are great on that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, this one is available. Um, I don't know if your library carries it. I know. Um, I have this one in my personal library and a lot of C.S. Lewis's works. And if you don't, uh, check out the link that will be in the archive and you can get the ebook. I believe it is. Yep. Yep. People will be able to pick okay, that. In yes. fact, my whole library right. nowadays is becoming uh, kind of on my phone or something where I can just pick it up and read it. I don't like it as much as a book, but it's kind of nice to have whatever books I'm in and it keeps right. keeps my pages where I'm at and I can read it as I want to. So the, those are those are great little tools to be used. Well, when, when you're talking about libraries, let's bring this up. Um, this is also can be traced back to the Common Core Machine, as I call it. The reason why we're seeing our public libraries call so many books from um, before 2008 is because it's an attempt to wipe out history. It's an attempt to, you know, divert you over to everything that has been through this uh, Common Core Machine as far as indoctrination. Again, attacking your attitudes, values, and beliefs. You're going to see a lot of books that um, you would think would be there for reference, no longer available. And this is all being done from a community aspect. This is not being done from a personal choice of mom and dad at home. This is being done community-wide in libraries across our nation. Okay. Okay. With that, we're going to go hang out in Daniel. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Hang out in Daniel. Yeah, we're going to go hang out in Daniel. Okay, so we are going to go to um, Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 through 5, and then we're going to go to Daniel 2, verse 23. All right. Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel unto the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, real science, folks, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king." Uh, and then over into chapter 2, did you say verse 23, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Daniel two twenty three. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now that we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. And that's Daniel giving praise to God, because God had given him the interpretation of the king's dream at the time. Absolutely. Now, one of the things is we know that Daniel 
is an Old Testament book of prophecy, much like the New Testament revelation. But when back in uh, back in the chapter one, where it said, you know, that we're seeking out certain people of, you know, looks and gifts and, and knowledge and that sort of thing, I got to looking and I was curious, well, what kind of education was Daniel steeped in? And one of the, some of the resources that I found, um, I shared with you and the audience will be able to get those in the archives. But one of the things that I found was a book uh, that was online from December of 1897 from a man named Hezekiah Butterworth. And he was saying that in Daniel's time, uh, youth was the time of vision. And I thought that was really cool. Now, in that particular resource, Tim, if you can pull that up, we want to go to the bottom of page 444. Um, and we're going to look at some of the other things that Mr. Butterworth pointed out about Daniel's type of education. Because we do know that because they were in those times that a lot of it could be secular. But one of the things he points out is that Daniel had a different type of education before he went to that more secular one. So he had a great foundation. I don't know if you can enlarge that for folks to see. But um, yes, down at the bottom, it'll say youth is a time. There it is. Youth is a time for vision. Now, if you'll scroll down to the next page, four, four, five, we want the bottom two paragraphs, okay? All right, it says here, of the methods of the education of Daniel in the court of Josiah, we cannot be certain. But the 35th chapter of Jeremiah, a chapter that stands out as the most sublime illustration of the power of moral education gives us a view of the probable influences of the teachers of the time upon his young character. Now, in the purified court under the direction of Jeremiah, the Rechabite teachers must have revived their ancient instructions. So that tells us right there, before they ever did any of the, what we're seeing now, skill-based learning, there we're doing the moral education. And this is what we've seen absolutely shift away from most of the school choices, even in higher education. We're not really showing a true moral education anymore before we get into the skills. We're putting the skills first and then this sort of twisted morality second. Well, and that's going to lead to problems down the road, too, because now you've got people working for you that mm -hmm. you haven't instilled in them a moral uh, a, a, a moral right. ethic here. So you've got people right. who are who are willing to cheat you out of what you're paying them to work. They're willing to steal from you. Uh, they're willing to treat the other employees poorly or even you as an employer poorly. Or if they happen to develop things, I mean, look. Uh, I don't need to go very far in the case of Bill Gates. Uh, we know Bill Gates' history about building Microsoft. They, they've made movies about it. Uh, his, his craftiness in undermining and you know underhandedly doing things when it, when it related to Steve Jobs. We see that carried out now in, in his push for vaccinations and stuff. So uh, if people mm -hmm. don't have the underlying morality... Uh, and and the work ethic that goes there, if they don't have that first and you're putting the cart before the horse, as it will, you're just asking for trouble as far as I'm concerned. 
Right. Well, one of the things that's pointed out in my study notes was that the Babylonian type of education that Daniel and the, the other young men who were like him, they were, they were uh, taught math, astronomy, history, science, and magic. And because they had had that huge moral foundation, they knew that when they came up against things like the magic or the use of astronomy as far as taking it to astrology, they knew to steer clear. But we're not seeing those sorts of patterns or or markers set up for our kids now. And um, unfortunately, as we brought up last week, uh, this is even happening in some homeschools. There, there are no markers to say these are the things to steer to, these are the things to steer away from. But in this particular 1897 book, if you'll go back to that, Tim, on page 446, um, and people can read this uh, when they get this particular resource, that will tell you that the tent dwellers were the teachers of righteousness. And that they taught the young men to say no in their heart because they knew if they knew how to say no in their heart, that when it came to the practical application in life, they would be able to abstain. And again, we're not seeing that happen. On page 447, it will tell you that character in education is power. We're seeing character undermined in modern day education at all levels. On page 449, you will see that there was a court of school and how it was used. And then on pages 450 and 451, how lessons were laid out. And then on the bottom of page um, 543, you'll hear Mr. Butterworth talk about the importance of the first five years of a child's life as far as education goes. And Sadly, we have the Common Core Machine have a group, Tim, that uses the first five years as a way to undermine the family and the parents. Okay, I was sliding through some of the, uh, sure. the pages there uh, for people, yeah, and, sure. and we'll have these. It's a fascinating read, and it's it's amazing to me that someone took the time to put that on the internet for us because well, that is from eighteen ninety seven. Yeah, well, now, it's interesting. Things- it's interesting to me because <clears throat> a lot of people will push these kind of books aside. Um, I know in my conversations with Kate uh, Shimarani, who comes on on Saturdays, one of the fascinating things that she told me was a gentleman that she had spoke to. Uh, who would not read anything after World War II that was written after World War II. And I think he realized that there was a certain propaganda that was coming along at that time, and uh, he would have nothing to do with it. So everything he read was pre-World War II. So I I think there is a lot of wisdom uh, that comes out of that because people were obviously trained differently, as we're talking about here. They were trained in the Word of God, and so um, at least in the States here I know— and so right. they had this a is, different way that they did things. Right. And this is why we're seeing such a culling of books at our public libraries. Um, so, you know, if if your library is culling books and you can get your hands on them, you know, save them from the trash bin or recycle bin and take them home. <laughs> but one of the things that Mr. Butterworth did was that he also brought up a man by the name of Froebel in his book called The Education of Man. If you don't know who Froebel is, he was cited as supposedly the father of kindergarten. And one of the things that is really 
kind of fascinating about this is that when Mr. Froebel started kindergarten, it was a way to shape early childhood education. And what have we seen our system do? They are going after the kids from the time they're born now instead of waiting until they get to kindergarten. So they're starting daycare and that sort of thing. But one of the other interesting things is, is that when Mr. Froebel had these kindergartens going, the Prussian people were going, oh, you're pushing socialism. Well, the irony is, is that the Prussian model of education is what we're seeing play out in 2020. And it is a case system, workforce training system. Yeah. And, and again, we're in this, we're in this, uh, people are still caught in this left, right paradigm. You're, you're, you're yeah. cutting through that without saying that's what's going on. Both the Republicans and the Democrats are pushing that communist workforce kind of oh, education. Absolutely, they are. Yep. Yes, this is why the Every Student Succeeds Act was was heralded as this bicameral, bipartisan, wonderful Christmas present for the world. I mean, you know, we're five years into it, and look at how horrible it has degraded everything as far as education goes, which morphs over into society, which morphs over into how you live your life, which morphs over to, you know, how you walk down the street. It, it's, it's absolutely insane. Now, if we can, I want us to go to the Daniel Academy. Now, I was doing more research, and I happened to find this particular school. It is in Missouri. And one of the claims to fame that they have is that they are modeling their school let me see if i could get it here they're modeling their school as a basis of the bible the book of daniel and daniel's life now it's a private christian school and one of the things that i found was this four pillars video and i sent you the link for that um tim and let's go ahead and pull that up because i want people to see knowing but this is supposed to be based off the Bible and off of Daniel's life and his education. I want them to see just how globalistic this private Christian academy really is. You want to listen for the words comrades, corporate prayer, dual enrollment, and you'll hear some other buzzwords in there. Unfortunately, it says the site is not found anymore for the Daniel oh. Academy. Okay. And this is on the about page. I guess that's what I'm yeah. finding. They don't... Um, Oh yeah, my goodness! Because yeah, there are three videos there, and we wanted the uh, the I, bottom one. Yeah, apparently they either have their site pulled; it's with DreamHost or something. Wow, because that's amazing. Because two days ago I pulled it up and it played just fine. But yeah, um, their four pillars are, you know, and here's here's the thing. Now I do have the PDF that you sent, but um, okay. Yeah, we can. Yeah, but I wanted to let folks know if you can find that particular video, um, the four pillars. One of the things that's kind of interesting is that we have a, wisdom has seven pillars. Okay, and in the education reform, four is the the consistent number that you'll see used. You will not see the whole seven. You'll see four uh, globalistic. Uh, pillars in its place. And so I thought that was really kind of sad because here we are, here's a school that is supposedly raising good Christian 
uh, warriors, as I called them, and they are really creating uh, globalists is what it is. So let's go to the, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, let's go to the PDF because this is going to point out some things as well. One of the things that I found in this uh, school was that they're using, um, now that's their profile right there. And let's see here. We want to point out, if you can enlarge that just a minute so folks can actually see this. Um, okay. The curriculum. All right. It's a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade school. This school is not accredited. Okay. In the state of Missouri, it is not an accredited one. So um, it tells you here it's based on a four-day model. This is known as the universal model of education because it combines school and home. So they can loosely say it's homeschooling in a way. They have a biblical worldview an excellent class that's there for their high schoolers. You also see that they have dual credit. Well, that means they're partnering with universities that are involved in this, not only globalism, but the Common Core machine as well. They also have to do community service projects, which we know those uh, have been usurped as well. One of the things that they also push at this particular academy is something called permaculture. Now that's the PDF. And permaculture is short for permanent agriculture. And permanent agriculture is part of the Sustainable Development Goals Decade of Education. Uh, and the one of the partners that the Daniel Academy has is called the Permaculture Research Institute based out of Australia. And we know Australia is a poster child for the UN and the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, they're also having a project called Greening the Desert. So I know that in some of the books uh, that we've seen about the United Nations, that uh, that's something that they want to do is they want to green the desert so that they can grow food there. Um, and why, I don't really know, because most of the land that we have will be used for solar panels and wind turbines for the green energy. Uh, so permaculture is a global movement. It ties into our U.S. forestry, which is under the Department of Agriculture. FEMA is involved, and you and I have talked about FEMA before as far as the internment camps that are being set up for those who resist the, um, the vaccine. So, yeah, here we have a Christian academy that is saying, oh, yeah, we're going to teach you like Daniel was taught, but then they're aligning to the sustainable development goals. And all these resources will be there for folks so that they can go afterwards and look at all this. Yeah, the <clears throat> problem with um, that one, too, is there it's not pulling up. Well, my goodness, they just don't want us to. To expose this idea. They know what, what you was going to show them. Um, <clears throat> no, it's it's very it's interesting. The um, neither one of those two PDFs will come up for the uh, permaculture KC dot com or the permaculture FX. Uh, well, that one. Wow! Isn't a, wow! Okay. Um, can you find the permaculture news? Because that headline that headline says it's a tool for implementing. The uh, sustainable development can goals. Can you, can, well, that now one that one, up? that one actually comes up. Yep. Yeah. 
Yay! See, we have some success. But I'm getting. But but when I when I go over here, this well. Oh yeah, I this see is, what you mean. This is what I'm well, getting. This was the KC. I was going to try the FX because that one was a PDF, right. and this is what I'm getting. So uh, they're shut off. But uh, I can pull up the Permaculture Research Institute. Okay. Well, if folks cannot find those particular resources, Tim, they can do what I did, which was just do a general search yep, on their the title. Um, internet choice of of whatever. And look for the Daniel Academy. It's out of St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, you can find uh, some of their their ties. But yeah, there it is. Permaculture as a tool for implementing. Now, if you'll scroll down, I want people to see there should be a map. Okay, there's not a map. All right, there's supposed to be a map. It shows the global projects, and America is absolutely filled to the brim with them. That's going to be resource number six, Tim. So if you want to go to that one so people can see that. Let's see. Resource number six. And this shows people across the world. There you go. Yep. Now, if you can blow that up and look at the number that's in America. Whoop. Okay. Look at those numbers. California has over a hundred. Let's see here. It looks like the upstate of what is that? New York has over a hundred. Looks like North Carolina has twenty-eight. Uh, so yeah, they actually have thirty-eight. Yeah, North Carolina has uh -huh. thirty-eight. Yeah, look. I don't at know. Those. Yeah. Okay, now it starts. The, the more you zoom in, I guess the yeah, more it starts showing you. Yeah, the more it shows you. you. So this is everywhere. Well, they're now, getting more specific. I think it's getting more specific. We were getting the big number, and then they're getting more right, specific right. as they're spread out. All right, but since uh, the Daniel Academy is in St. Louis, Missouri, can you find that one? And maybe folks could find the resources that way since those links don't want to work. That might be a way to do it. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's eight. See. There's seven. Yep. Let's back it out where we can see. Them. So they've got <laughs> they've got like thirty there in the state of Missouri. Wow, yeah. So that that should show folks quite a bit that uh, you know if you think the sustainable development goals are going to be kept uh, excuse me kept away from you, no, they're not, because the whole goal in those was to use education as a change agent for your entire community. Yeah, uh, Lynn, we got a question, <clears throat> and sure. Stuffier asked. Uh, because he uh -huh. was talking about, uh, I guess we were talking on the issue of knowledge and wisdom. He said, could you relate to people what used to be or how hard an eighth grade test was in the 1800s? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That is an excellent question. I do not have that particular resource right handy um, stuff here. But, yes, if you do an Internet search, you can find what previous uh, generations had as far as examinations. Uh, if you uh, can get your hands on the McGuffey readers or the, um, I'm trying to remember the math curriculum that was used. And I had that for years for my kids. It was a um, small set of books and they were probably about this big and they were brown, nothing fancy. And it was the old school type of font that was used. And my goodness that was intense what those particular uh set of books would do so yes we have absolutely seen for many many decades a what charlotte eiserbite tells us a deliberate dumbing down 
Well, there has been. And uh, again, this comes from uh, beginning to depart from the living God. That's what it is. Uh, When you reference Daniel, you go back to his immediate training. And his immediate Mm -hmm. training when he was a young man was not secular. It was biblical. And I've had, you know, I've had, Lynn, people ask me, he says, well, do you have a problem with your your kids maybe learning about the um, what, what is it? Uh, Greek mythology or, or this, that, and I, no, I don't have any problem with it. There's no reason to be scared of learning right. or understanding things that are in the world. But the problem is laying the foundation, the filter, the glasses, if you will, to put on for when you see those things for, because you, you're going to interact with things in the world. You just are, you've got to have the proper foundation for dealing with them. Absolutely. And this is one of the things that was pointed out in the first uh, part of Daniel was that they had to get one type of education before they could go on and get the other type of education, which is what we used to see happen. But we also are finding that when you introduce some of these concepts like the Greek mythology, okay, yes, my kids went, we studied that as well. But here was the thing. I didn't do it until they reached a certain age because I wanted some of that wisdom, some of that uh, mindset of let's weigh this against what the Bible says to be in place before we did that so that they would know, okay, this is what was brought up in the world, but this is what scripture says, so that they could have that particular uh, weight and measure, if you will, because that's one of the things that we're supposed to do is to weigh everything against the scripture. And what are we not seeing happen across society? It's been thrown out the window. No, it absolutely has. In fact, I was thinking, uh, I, I watched something last night while I was doing up my, my post, and apparently it's a series of things, kind of like a Twilight Zone kind of deal, that uh, demonstrate where technology is taking. And uh, there was something that stood out to me in that. It was, I guess the scenario was about gaming. But the guy told said, you know, there was a time where people sat and they reflected uh, and things of this nature. And now you have television, you have music constantly going, you have something that's garnering your attention instead of a time to read something and to think on it and to reflect on it. And that's something really, you know, that our founders had uh, a long time ago where they would even be self-educating in what they do. Uh, We're coming up against the end of the show here. I want to give you time, uh, Lynn, to tell people where they can find out more about you, how they can help support the work you do because you do it as a labor of love. So you got about 30 seconds. Tell people where they can find out about you. Okay. Well, you can find me on my blog, commoncordiva.com. There is a donate button there. So if you feel so led to uh, donate to what I do, this is a labor of love. And shows like this, I pour many hours into the research, as I do with everything that I do. You can find me on TV on their website, on Amazon and Roku. You can find me on Parlor, MeWe, USA.life. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook when I'm out of jail. <laughs> and uh, if you need uh, me to cover something for you, you know, email me, commoncourtneva at gmail.com. All right, Lynn, we appreciate you very much. Thank you for your time, as always, every Wednesday. Guys, we appreciate you, all of you listening on Rest Day Talk Radio across the video platforms. Tomorrow, Ammon Bunny will be joining me. We're going to expose Black Lives Matter. You don't want to miss it. See you.